watching All Elite Wrestling on the TNT Network last night, and it was a great show. They got a lot of very good young wrestlers who haven't been overexposed elsewhere. And these guys are relatively homegrown. You got Jungle Boy, who's 23. He's Luke Perry's kid from Beverly Hills 90210. You got MJF, who's 24. Best heel in the business. Sammy Guevara suspended. That's unfortunate, but he's great. He's 26. Brian Pillman Jr. was there last night. Not sure if he signed, but that'd be a great move. He's 26. Penelope Ford is going to be a star. She's 27. Hangman Page is 28. He's already a star. It used to be the goal was to get to WWE. For the performers I just mentioned, they need to stay as far away from WWE as possible. You look at a guy like Ricochet. He's 31. They don't know what to do with him. You look at Finn Balor. WWE totally dropped the ball. Balor is back in the minor leagues with NXT. Our buddy Elias from Plum. I'd like to walk with Elias, but he's 32, and they just don't know what to do with him. WWE just wants to keep bringing back Edge and Undertaker and the old-timey guys. Heck, Ric Flair is 71, and he's on TV every week. I love that. But when you keep bringing back the old guys, you're admitting you don't know what to do with the new guys. Look at FTR. Great tag team. Had to escape WWE. Uh, same thing with Gallows and Anderson. So my advice to Jungle Boy, MJF, Sammy, Brian Jr., Penelope Ford, Hangman Page is, if you can help it, never go to WWE. Because they won't know what to do with you. Captain Nemo brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Boy, 3-0 at halftime. This championship hangover sucks ass. Uh, so that's my wrestling monologue. Take it or leave it because, metaphorically speaking, this is a dry town. Uh, another thing to mention, we've been talking about how uh, Major League Baseball teams, and I think all the sports, are talking about putting sponsorship logos on their jerseys like they do in soccer in Europe and for MLS, for that matter. I'm hearing that players want a cut of logo money on the uniforms because they say that wearing the logo on their person is a tacit endorsement of that product by them. Okay, should they also get a cut of advertising on the outfield walls and on the dasher boards and NBA floors as well? I don't think so. Players need to be treated more like employees and not partners. And that's especially true in MLB because there is no salary cap. I will say it'll be easier to get those logos on uniforms in the leagues where there are a cap because uh, that money trickles to those players via... Uh, being included in the percentage of revenue agreed upon in the cap. Let's go to Kenny in Forest Hills. Kenny, you're on with the super genius. Hope you are well, Mark. Um, hypothetically, if uh, Matt Murray and the Penguins go on a run uh, in this playoff and he plays, you know, really good like he has in the past, I know. Uh, do you think the Penguins would? reconsider signing him to a long-term deal. No, they just can't afford it, bro. Matt Murray yeah. 
despite not having played, you know, lights out since 2017, he wants like $8 million a year. And he'll be more determined to get that if he has a great playoff, and they're just not going to pay the goalie $8 million a year. No team should pay a goalie $8 million a year. Look at Montreal. They're paying Carey Price $10 million bucks a year, and they wouldn't have made the playoffs had they had the normal playoff. Look at Florida, playing Sergei Bobrovsky $9.something million a year. Wouldn't have made the playoffs either. The difference between the elite goalies and the next group of goalies isn't that big, and Murray hasn't been an elite goalie since 17 anyway. Where is Murray coming up with that figure? Eight million dollars. I mean, that that seems. You know, to to be fair, to be fair, I've only heard that. That's just the rumor. But uh, but you know, he's going to want big money because he won those two cups. It's a shame his contract wasn't due right after the two cups because he would have got it. Well, like uh, like you said, you were talking to Josh Joey about it. You know. There isn't much of a gap between uh, a bad goalie and a great goalie. You know, we're past the era of like Dominic Masic and Martin Berdour. Every goalie is, you know, pretty good. And you, you, you see, it's kind of like a running back in the NFL. You know, the position has evolved. It's very much like it, but but there's so many of them. You know, there's so like like seriously, Jari. You know, played dead even with Murray this year. Isn't that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Thank you for the call. 412-333-WXDX. No fireworks this weekend. That sucks, right? What if there will be any bootleg fireworks that people just sneak in? I'm sure there will be. And, and you know what the funny part is? If you could do the fireworks and just have people watch from where they're at, like their porch or whatever, you know, and you had it in a bunch of different places, you could just look up from your deck or your porch and see it. You could do that, but people are going to gather. See, that's the problem. Yins don't understand there's a pandemic, and you won't act accordingly. You just refuse to unless you're forced to, which is why no fireworks. This is why we can't have nice things. Uh, Let's go to Tom in Shadyside. Tom. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hi, Tom. Good. I was reading, I think you recommended a book earlier in the week about uh, WCW. Was it called Nitro? Yeah, it's the definitive account of the Nitro years, uh, the TV show on Monday night. WCW yeah. Monday Night, you're airing on TNT, which I was the beloved co-host of. Yeah. It's Death Rattle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's the definitive book. Uh, a lot of interviews. Everybody's on the record. Uh, I was there, don't forget, for all of it. Yeah. And the book checks out with me. If I say the book it's, checks out, then it's a good book. It's really good. I just started reading it about about a quarter of the way through it. And it's really enlightening in reference. And you referenced about the lack of creativity in WWF. It was alluded to in that book. As a matter of fact. Well, it, much... never mind, never mind then. They did a great job then, WB. WB's just horrible now. It's just horrible. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing interesting about their TV. Nothing. Except the women's division and the best performer is taking time off. Charlotte, they have surgery. Let's go to uh, Ron in Carnegie. Ron, you're on with Double M. Yes, good afternoon, Mark. What up? Mark, I just I'm wondering now that Impact Wrestling has released Tessa Blanchard, do you think it would be wise for her to go to the WWE or maybe to AEW? Well, you know, she doesn't have the best reputation backstage. She's alleged to yeah, have bullied the other girls and she's apparently said some things that were uh that were racist. But uh I will say this, if if WWE could could avoid any PR nightmares with her. 
She's the ideal opponent for Charlotte because they compare size-wise and athletically. Uh, they would be so credible for each other. So uh, the best spot for her in terms of a feud would be to go there. Uh, you know, if she went to AEW, her big feud would be with Britt Baker and Penelope Ford, I guess. You know, those are their two top women stars, at least to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, the size difference would be huge. I just think her and Charlotte would be a match made in heaven. Let's go to Howard in the car. Howard. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Good, what up? What up? I was just getting, wanted to get your opinion on the uh, Undertaker documentary and seeing if you watched it or not. I, I did not watch it. it. I, I respect Taker a lot. I I just don't have much interest in, in WWE nostalgia. If it was uh, WCW nostalgia, NWA nostalgia, I consider that my home promotion. I respect Undertaker, and I might watch that at some point, but have not yet. Yeah, do you think it was uh, still a good part on them to do this for him? I think it was a good documentary, and I say this having not seen it, as I told you. I think yeah. it's a good documentary that he didn't kayfabe. He, he became Mark Calloway. He became the real guy because he has never given us a look behind the curtain until this documentary. Right. All right, thank you, Mark. Thank you. Okay, that was a good segment. Let's knock the wrestling. I'll take one more wrestling call, but let's knock it off after that. Uh, we got Dale Lawley talking Steelers at the bottom of the hour. Liverpool trail 3-0 at the half. That's, this is the most they've trailed by since 2015 at halftime. It's the championship hangover. How could you think otherwise? And we still have the championship. Like I have people on Twitter, though, suck one, Madden. MCFC, yeah, you became a fan at about halftime, I would think. And we're still champions, period. 412-333-WXDX. One thing I want to talk about with Lolly regarding that Steeler defense. I think this is a prudent topic. Mike Tomlin recently said the Steelers' defense could get more sacks and more takeaways. I don't see how it's possible to get more than 36 takeaways, and it wouldn't shock me if that number got cut by almost half. Sacks, maybe, but what they need to do is improve that run defense. And I don't know how they do that, given their situation currently at inside linebacker. This is the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 X. Double M on the X, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Dale Lawley at the bottom of the hour talking Steelers. How do the Steelers fix that run defense when they're very weak at middle linebacker, inside backer? You got Bush, who's great. He's going to play more. You got Vince Williams, who had a very good season last year, but uh, the less he plays, the better he plays. And now with Mark Barron gone, you lose all those snaps he played, and he won great, but he was competent. I think if you're looking for the snaps to just be divided up between Bush and Vince Williams, I don't think that's going to work out the way you hope it will. I just don't. So how do the Steelers fix their run defense? 412-333-9939, the number to call. Uh, on, on a bright note for the Steelers, uh, James Conner and Jalen Samuels are working out in Florida with Le'Veon Bell, and thank God every moment of it is being captured on video and posted on social media because there's nothing worse than not knowing. Uh, as America slips back into the clutches of the pandemic, there are some really dumb ideas floating around out there. Like uh, It's reported the NCAA is mooting college football in the spring. 
How about no? Or college basketball exclusively in the spring? How about no? How about you get the college kids back on campus in a safe fashion first, which ain't going to happen at Southern Cal because they're going to have classes exclusively online, which seems to preclude college football unless they play Techno Bowl or whatever. Let's be honest. None of this is going to work unless you get a vaccine or just ignore the pandemic. And certainly the latter would involve paying a price. Let's just take sports off until the pandemic's gone. But the problem with that is it ain't never going to be gone because we're America and we have our personal freedoms. And yeah, we do. We do have personal freedoms. We just don't have sports, concerts, or drinking in bars. The plans for sports are okay. They could work, but like Dame Lillard said, the athletes won't observe the protocol. It'll be, I need to see my family. I need to have sex. I need to go to a club. And okay, all that's fine. But then you don't play and you don't get paid. I really do feel like the most sensible thing to do now, given the atmosphere toward the pandemic in America and in sports, would be to just forget about sports until 2021. I think that's the advisable thing to do. But 2021 would offer no guarantees either. I was a proponent of opening things back up, of starting the economy again. I was. I had no idea how badly America would handle that. No idea, but but they did. And uh, I know a lot of you are just assuming sports are going to start. I don't know. I just don't think so. 412-333-9939. Like I said, we have Lolly at the bottom of the hour talking Steelers. Lolly wrote an interesting column about how the Steelers might address quarterback in 2021 in the draft. That would indicate that they don't think Mason Rudolph is Ben's long-term successor. And I don't think Mason Rudolph is Ben's long-term successor. You know, it's funny because I was not one of those people who said go out and sign Kaepernick or go out and draft a quarterback or go out and get a quarterback, whether it's Andy Dalton, whoever people were talking about. I wasn't one of those people. And I understand perfectly that the Steelers are comfortable with Mason Rudolph as the backup. But if that fails like it did last year because Ben got hurt, then, boy, you really got some splaining to do, don't you? Same thing with James Conner at running back. If he gets hurt or has another bad year or both, because let's face it, that's what last year was. He had a bad year and got hurt. You got some splaining to do. Then again, in a cap, well, it's going to be 4-0. Nope, save. Uh, In a capped league, you pick your poison. You're not going to be strong everywhere. Let's go to John in the car. John, you're on with Double M. John, you're on the air. Okay, thanks for calling, John. 412-333-9939. This is the Mark Madden Show. You know, I, I had that list of baseball movies, top 10 for, for movie grosses for baseball movies. Is there any baseball movie that's not even on there at all? The only one I could think of 
What's that one where the little kid becomes the manager of the twins because he inherits them? Oh, Little Big League. And then there's uh, Major League Two and the very underrated Major League Three back to the minors. That was a, a better movie than Major League Two. It really was. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Dale Lawley up next talking Stillers here on 105.9 The X. Double M on the X. I'm not sure if Liverpool have been awarded a penalty or if it's a die. They're going to review it. It looked like a penalty to me. Of course it would. Uh, right now, though, let's talk Steelers. It's a pleasure to welcome from DKPittsburghSports.com. It's Dale Lawley. Dale, how many exhibition games will the NFL ultimately play per team? And how many exhibition games do we really need? Well, <laughs> I think they're two in, uh, pretty much the same. Uh, they're going to play two. Uh, I've been hearing that all along. I I figured that they would drop two. I just wanted to see how they would do it. Um, I thought they might just cut the first two off to give teams more time to practice, in which case that would have hurt the Steelers because their first two preseason games were at home, so they'd have been chopping off the first two two, uh, preseason games, both of their home preseason games. Uh, So they're going to go, you know, the first game and the last game, uh, in addition to also doing the uh, Hall of Fame game. The question about how many they need, well, you know, if you ask the coaches, they need all four. If you ask the players, they don't need any. So I guess that's the happy medium is two. Why do the coaches feel they need all four? That mystifies me because I think you can pick, you know, what the roster's going to be before camp starts, you know, for, for almost every single spot. And the coaches just overblow the importance of evaluation when, Dale, they know already, don't they? Well, I think they have an idea, but there's always guys that go out there and, and who are gamers. And I'm sure you've, you've coached sports before. You, you've seen kids who look like crap in practice, and then they, you put them in a game, and it's like it's a different player. Um, I think that happens sometimes with, with football players as well at the NFL level. Uh, maybe you're just not a great practice player, but, man, once the, once you, you know, the lights come on, uh, everything works for you. I, I think this year, and especially with – the increased rosters to 55 players, uh, you know, you're usually down to, you know, four or five guys fighting for those last, you know, couple of spots on your roster. Well, now you get to keep them all. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, but this year in particular, because of the situation, uh, you know, with the, with the virus, um, I'm not sure that teams are going to want to bring in guys from outside the organization. You're going to, you know, the guys that you have within your organization on your practice squad and the, the, on, you know, those 55 guys, those are the ones that you know have been tested and they've been, you know, at your meetings and you don't have to bring them in from another city, fly them in from somewhere. So I think teams are going to be more apt to keep those or to bring those guys up than they are to sign somebody from outside the organization because you just don't know what you're bringing in. Now, do you believe NFL players will follow the necessary protocol as regards the virus, to start camp, start the season, and complete the season, because I don't have a lot of faith in that. It's tough. I mean, I'm coaching I'm coaching youth baseball right now, and I run the Pony League here in Washington. And it's you know you get into a game and you just you you're just playing the game. You're not thinking about well, I got to socially distance myself from this person or that person. 
And so, you know, I, you know, I've seen kids fist bumping and high fiving and doing all the stuff that they normally do when they make a good play. And it's hard to, to get them to not do that thing. You have to constantly remind them, hey, we got to stay socially distanced. You have to keep your, your distance from everybody. And let's be honest, football is a completely different animal than baseball. Yeah, I mean, these guys are supposed to be contacting each other. They're supposed to be bringing each other to the ground and blocking each other and doing all those things. Now, what you do outside of the game, that's where they're going to need these guys to be diligent. And you're just going to have to tell them, look, you know, if, if you want to keep playing, um, you know, you're going to have to do these things to socially distance yourself. You can't go out at night. You can't do the things that, that we're seeing happen at the college level where, you know, the kids are going back to school and they just, you know, it's business as usual. They're heading to the bars and they're doing the things that the, that college kids do. You know, if, if you want to be a professional and, 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 and play football, you have to sacrifice a little bit this year. I, I agree. And I think the hardest part will be off the field because Dale, unless I really am missing my guess here with the amount of testing that's going to be done combined with the protocol, it's going to be awful tough for a football player to get on the field, whether for a game or for practice, if he has coronavirus. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, the, the, the quote unquote bubble that they're going to have these guys. And if you read the, the, the leagues, uh, uh, what they put out on this, um, you know, it's going to be a very small sample of, or very small section of people who are actually even going to be able to have contact with the players when they're at the team facilities. Um, you know, it's going to be some of the other players, some coaches, some training staff, and that's it. You know, the, the front office staff isn't even welcome to go downstairs and, and maybe do things that they normally, do, you know, do, would do. The media most certainly isn't going to be anywhere near the players. Um, you know, they're already talking about moving the fans back away, assuming that they're in the stadiums uh, to a, to a you know, farther distance away from the players. So, yeah, and, and they're going to be testing them at least twice a week. I, I really think it is going to be difficult. doesn't mean it won't happen, uh, but they're putting everything in place that they can to make sure that it doesn't. Uh, but you're still going to have some instances, you know, potentially where it does, and that's where the, the real – you know, the flying new equipment's really going to come into play because what happens if, uh, you know, um, the quarterback room tests positive? And when I say room, I mean every quarterback in your on your team. Uh, now you're in trouble. We're talking to Dale Lawley of DKPittsburghSports.com. Uh, you wrote that the Steelers may address the QB position after this season. How so? Because... Uh, I'm assuming they do not see Mason Rudolph as Ben's long-term successor. I don't know if they've completely made that decision yet. Um, you know, they got to see him for the first time in NFL action last year, and I think they liked some of what they saw. They obviously didn't like some of the other things that they saw, but I think they thought that he took some steps. Now, what they really want to see this year is him come back, uh, essentially from what was his rookie season last year, because he hadn't played as in his first year and see if he makes that second-year jump. Um, you know, doesn't hold the ball quite as long, gets rid of it, is more decisive, uh, you know, with what he's doing out there because he'll have a better understanding, having now played at the NFL level, uh, of what he's seeing out there. So if he can make that jump, um, you know, I think they could potentially say, you know, no, we're good with Mason uh, for now, but that, that won't take them out of the quarterback market completely if, if one falls into their lap. Uh, but if you're going to draft one, you feel like you have to draft one. I think this year, after the, you know the 2021 draft, could be the year to do that because you know if Ben plays out his contract, he would have one year left. It's kind of the Aaron Rodgers situation right now, 
where, you know, you, you go out, you draft Jordan Love, and, you know, you give him a year behind Aaron Rodgers, and then you move on. It's the same situation for, for Ben. If he's going to play out that contract, you bring in the kid next year, you let him sit and learn for a year under Roethlisberger, and then if Ben retires, you're, you're, you know, you've got your next guy to, to try at the position. You know, it's funny, Dale, because I don't disagree with Rudolph as the backup this season or with James Conner as the clear-cut number one back, but both decisions had better work. I get it. I'd do it. But there's clearly an element of risk. Yeah, there is. And I really thought, uh, you know, I was a proponent of them drafting a running back this year higher than what they did. Me too. Uh, I do like the one. I like the one that they did draft. I pro- I would have taken J.K. Dobbins in the second round if it had been, you know, if I'm making the call there. Um, I, I had him as my top rated back in this draft. We'll see if I'm right about that. Again, I'm, I'm not a professional at this, uh, but I thought he was the, the best overall talent in this year's draft at the position. Um, you know, I, I think it is a roll of the dice, you know, going with James Conner. But, you know, there when James Conner plays and is healthy, He's a good back. The big part of that, though, is the if if healthy part. Uh, He just hasn't been able to do that. And last year, he played six quarters of football in the last eight games. That's just not enough. Uh, You know, you need more out of your starting running back than that. You know, it's just I I don't know that I trust him to stay healthy. Maybe he's had some bad luck. Uh, You know, maybe that's what they looked at. But, you know, at some point you have to look at it and say, the guy's always hurt. And you, you know you have to uh, to make that decision. Um, they're rolling with it. I guess they they feel good about what they have behind him now. I feel better about what they have behind now than I did last year at this time. Um, you know, I, I think I don't know that Jalen Samuels is, is an NFL caliber running back. I don't think that he is. I think he's more of a a chess piece. Uh, if you ask him to run the ball fifteen to twenty times in a game, that's not going to get you a whole lot. I know he did it in that game against New England two years ago. But they wanted him to run the football. That was that was far preferable for the Patriots than having Roethlisberger drop back and throw the ball to Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, and I think Snell will be better in year two. And I like what McFarland brings to the table. But you'd still like to have that number one guy. And I don't know that Connor can do that on a consistent sixteen-game basis. He just hasn't done it. Mike Tomlin recently said the Steelers' defense could get more sacks and get more takeaways. Is that even possible, Dale? I mean, more than 36 takeaways, uh, that seems pie in the sky, doesn't it? I think it's possible, actually. Uh, if, if you look at it, I, I did a, a story about a month ago now. They played about 120 minutes all of last season with a two-score lead, with a, with a lead of more than two scores. And 70 minutes of that were, were in two games. So if you give that defense more leads, um, you know, now all of a sudden they can just pin their ears back and rush the passer, and they can take some chances on the back end. Uh, I just think that every game was a, was a one-score game for them last year, uh, one way or the other, and that doesn't really lend itself to being able to rush the passer all that much. I think it, with, with Roethlisberger back and, you know, more on offense, uh, at least an offense that's capable of, you know, putting up 25, 30 points a game, completely changes the complexion of, of, of the game and what that defense is able to do. And I, I just think that, you know, I don't know if they can top the 36 turnovers because that's a lot, but I certainly think, you know, with this team, they, they should be able to get over 60 sacks this year if, if they have more leads. I, I don't see any reason why they can't do that because they've got pass rushers all over the field. 
Now, what about their run defense? Do they need to improve that, and how do they do that? Because I thought near the end of the season, Dale, that the opposition teams kind of found running the ball against the Steelers as a safe haven. You can protect the ball, minimize the takeaways. That might not work with Bennett quarterback because the Steelers are going to do more on offense, but how do the Steelers improve that run D, and do they need to? Well, that's the key. I mean, I think you just said it right there. I look at the run defense, and they gave up 3.8 yards of carry last year, which was actually third best in the league. Um, now they gave up more yards than that because teams ran the ball way more than they did the year before against them because Roethlisberger was there kind of forcing the issue. Last year in the second half of the season, teams were content to run the football against them because they knew if they threw the football against them, they were opening themselves up to, to, to the possible interceptions and those things, and they knew that all they did had to do was score 17 points. When you're facing Duck Hodges on the other sideline, you know, as the, as the quarterback, uh, Kevin Colbert said it himself. He said, when we had uh, Mason Rudolph out there, our goal was to hold the other team under 17 points. When it was Devlin Hodges out there, our goal was to hold the other team under 13. Well, the other teams knew that, too. So they were, you know, a punt was a good play for them. So, you know, they could go and run the ball three straight times and, and get nine yards and punt, or three straight times and get 10 yards and get a new set of downs. It, it didn't really matter. Um, you know, so I think that the improved offense will help the defense in the run game. The Steelers need to control the football more. They need to keep their defense off the field. I think I think the defense had an extra and additional, I want to say it's like 150 plays run against it last year as opposed to what it had the year before. So that's 10 plays a game. I mean, that, and, and most of those are running plays. So, yeah, you're going to give up more rushing yards. I, th- I think they got worn down towards the end of the season as well, and I think that played a factor into that is, is, is too. Uh, they lost all those snaps with Barron, and we talk about this every time you're on, Dale. I know Bush and, and Williams are going to play more snaps, but don't they still need at least one more inside backer? Yeah, somebody needs to step up into that position. And Who, you know, who can do it? Who are their internal options? They want to give Ulysses Gilbert every chance to do that. I think he, he showed some promise last year in the preseason and then played well on special teams in the first half before hurting his back. Uh, so they want to give him a chance. Uh, you know, I, I liked Robert Spillane uh, that they, they picked up off the Titans. Uh, he'd played for the Titans the year before and was bounced on and off their practice squad. Uh, you know, he, he again, he's kind of like Tyler Matakevich, only more athletic. Um, you know, he, he's just a, a good football player. Can he be a guy who, who's, you know, your top backup there? I don't know. I don't think so, but I think he certainly has a spot on the on the roster as a special teams guy. You know, ideally, you don't want to play Vince Williams on passing downs, even though he can rush the passer. Uh, that's not his cup of tea. I mean, he's, he's just not great in coverage. Um, so you want Bush to step forward and be that coverage linebacker, and that allows, uh, you know, that would allow um, them to, to maybe take Vince off the field or keep him on the field, let him rush the passer, do some things like that. Um, I, I think they can make it work, but Bush has to take that next step, and he can't get hurt. That's the key. They can't run into a situation where you know Bush misses five or six games, and they're in trouble. Okay, Dale. Here's all the cliched questions about. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Like it's like Connor at, at running back. If they lose Devin Bush, they're screwed at inside. They just backer. don't have a lot of depth. I mean, I, I think if you look at the Steelers roster, Mark. With the starters are are pretty good. I think you can match their starters up against just about any team in the league, but they're lacking some depth at a lot of positions. I mean, outside of I think they have some depth on the offensive line. 
the receivers are pretty deep. Some of those, some of those things. But on defense, especially, they don't have a ton of depth other than on the defensive line. Okay, here's all the cliched questions about Cam Newton winding up in New England, one after the other. Dale, <laughs> will New England okay. win more games than Tampa with Brady? Will New England win more games than Pittsburgh? And will New England win the AFC East? I'm going to say no to the first question. I think I, I think that uh, if you look at New England's roster, it's still not that good. I think they're a better team than they were before they signed Cam Newton, but not markedly better. I, th- I looked at them and said if, if Belichick got that team to eight wins this year with Jared Stidham at quarterback, he should be coach of the year. Uh, now I'm upping that to, to nine or ten wins with Cam Newton out there. Um, is that good enough to win the AFC East? It could be. Uh, I'm not sold on Buffalo. I think their quarterback is, you know, could take that Mitch Trubisky step this year and go backwards uh, because he's not a, he's just not a very accurate quarterback. He's more of a, a runner and, and athlete at the quarterback position right now than he is a true quarterback. And they will definitely not win more games than the Steelers. I think the Steelers are a far better team than the Patriots. Everybody looks at that Patriots team and says, well, they, they should have a really good defense again. They got rid of their two, their, their two, uh, highest sack guys last year are both gone. Kyle Van Noy's in, uh, I believe, uh, Miami now, and, and uh, uh, jo- um, the linebacker Jamie Collins is in is in uh, Detroit. You know they got pilfered by the by two of Belichick's former assistants. Those were their two sack leading sack guys last year. Where's the where's the pressure coming from in New England? They're still really good on the back end, but I don't think their front seven is going to be very good, and their skill position guys suck. They're terrible. I mean, if Julian Edelman is your number one receiver and he's, you know, 33 years old now and, and, and banged up, you're in trouble. You got some problems. Dale, great stuff as always. I appreciate you taking the time. Anytime, Mark. I'll talk to you. That's Dale Ollie. Check him out at DKPittsburghSports.com. Now it's time for the bonus segment of Ask Mark Anything. Liverpool Trail 4 0 in the 74th minute. You know, it's been so long since we won a championship, I didn't know what a championship hangover looked like. This is obviously it. 412-333-9939, the number to call. Ask Mark Anything, the bonus segment, bonus round. 412-333-WXDX, call now and ask Mark Anything. Still 4-0, 80th minute. I wouldn't say Liverpool's been real positionally sound today. But they're still champions. Like I said, I, championship hangover. Not making excuses. City's a good team. The gap was never as big as the standards indicated, but the gap is considerable. Uh, and if the gap last year, each team won at home. This year, each team won at home. So there you go. Any hoodles, time to ask Mark anything. Let's get some more calls in. 412-333-WXDX. We've been talking about the fate of uh, sports. And as I mentioned, I have zero faith that any of the pro sports leagues, the big four, will play to a conclusion. They might start. They're certainly going to practice, but uh, I just don't see how this works. But I'll tell you the one thing they need to do. They need to give up the ghost with college sports. They're just not going to be able to play college sports. And you got to look at the big picture, too. The college kids aren't getting paid. For the amount of money sports brings into the NCAA and its member institutions, those kids make bupkis. And they're also the toughest to protect. 
it's tough to control that situation. So they need to just forget about it. Pro players, they're at risk, but they're getting paid. And by the way, it's less risk. College athletes aren't getting paid, and they're at more risk. How do you control a college campus? And if they're not on the campus, if it's all online, then, boy, you would have to concede that you're going to play college athletics without really going to college. And that would be, uh, actually, would be a very honest concession, but I'm not sure it's, it's a concession that the NCAA and its member institutions would like to make. Let's go to John on the Amazon truck. John, you're on with Double M. What's going on, Mark? How are you? Good, John. Hey, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. It kind of rings hollow right this so, second, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, I'm late to the party, but that's all right. So, hey, I wanted to pitch a, a movie to you that I've seen that I really enjoyed that I think you would enjoy. That's a baseball movie. Okay. It's called Undrafted. Is that that's not the Joe Manganiello movie, is it? No. You know, I haven't yet uh, seen that Joe Manganiello movie, which I hear is really good. I got to check that out. The undrafted is about a it's, it's a true story about a kid that doesn't get drafted and plays like uh, I never would have guessed. Right, semi-pro uh, baseball. Uh, Jim Belushi is in it, and he's the kid's dad. Okay, I'll I'll check that out. Let's go to uh, Rich. Rich, you're on with Double M. Ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. Uh, sorry here. Liverpool's having a bad day. Sorry, right. had a good season. Champions. Absolutely. Um, no, I was calling to ask, UFO or MSG? Oh, uh, UFO. I mean, I'm a big fan of MSG, which was Michael Schenker's group after he left UFO. And uh, Absolutely. pretty much between UFO 10 years for the rest of his life. And he still has the group today. But uh, I just think UFO has always had a better singer in Phil Mogg. I think the body of work is better. Uh, I, I really can't compare the two. I think MSG is is a great band with some very good work, but a distant second. What do you say? I absolutely agree, and I actually thought I knew the answer to that question before I asked it. Yeah, and I like MSG, and I always go see Michael. But uh, even I'll tell you, this is a tough admission to make. Even the UFO live shows with Vinnie Moore are better than the MSG shows. Really, what do you think of Michael versus Rudolph? Oh, Rudolph's just the rhythm player. There's no comparison there. Michael's okay. by far the superior guitar player. Let's go to Doug on the turnpike. Doug, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. How are you? What up? Hey, yeah, besides like ACDC and um, Van Halen, who did it better but lost their original singer and replaced him with uh, somebody else? Uh, who, who did it better than them? Anybody? Or yeah. Those are the top two. Yeah, uh, I think it was, well, I mean, Van Halen and ACDC are certainly the most prominent examples, but okay. uh, Deep Purple. Okay. Deep Purple replaced Ian Gillen with David Coverdale, and, you know, I'm a big Ian Gillen fan, but I find Coverdale's voice and his work to be far superior. Okay. Are you Brian Johnson or Bon Scott? Uh, bon Scott, but, but Brian's great. Great. Yeah. And with, with, with Van Halen, David Lee Roth, but I think the difference is negligible. And they sold more records with Sammy. Isn't it hard to believe they sold more records with Sammy Hagar? Yeah. Thank you for Amazing. the call. Let's go to uh, Jacob in Monroeville. Jacob, you're on with Mark. Good day, sir. I said good day. 
Uh, I just wanted to uh, throw this out there real quick. I, I called in last week when your replacement was in there, and he didn't seem to quite agree with me. I just wanted your opinion. Uh, I thought it was fairly obvious why uh, Mr. Roethlisberger came out with his little uh, uh, confession, uh, whatever it was, last week. Um, to me, it was just obvious with all this stuff in the headlines. Uh, that story was going to be, you know, a page 8, section D you know, kind of story. Uh, that was the most obvious answer to me. Uh, do you see it that way or not? I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, I know I, he did the interview with Tunch. He talked about his pornography and his uh, alcohol addictions, which he says he's conquered. I'm sure he has. But, uh, you know, Ben right. had, I don't think Ben had any agenda at all with that. Ben just happened to be speaking at a religious function. And he said what he said, okay. but there, there was no, I mean, what was he trying to paper over? You know the 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 the, the uh, bad news in sports was he doing it? I think you're implying no, he did it. I think you're implying he did it on a day when he knew it wouldn't get much notice. Well, I think that it was going to come out no matter what, and with the press that he had a decade ago about. I mean, I don't care if it's pornography or whatever. I don't think it, it matters at all. I, I honestly think stuff. you're overestimating the impact of it. It was caused for me to make a couple jokes, and then it disappeared, and nobody's talking about it now. All right, I should have talked about this earlier. But Pirates owner Bob Nutting has once again done something selfish and despicable. We'll get to that in 30 seconds here on 105.9 The X.